We do it every Monday morning, breaking down the weekend, the weekend that was in the NFL, the Saturday, an exciting Saturday, excuse me, exciting Sunday of NFL football. Um, started on Thursday night, but boy, what a Sunday. You've got uh, Kansas City, Miami um, with a lot of drama with uh, both the Bucks and the Falcons losing close ones. Great performances by the Texans, comeback by the Texans, and a comeback by the Vikings. A lot to break down that was week nine in the NFL, and that's what we're doing on today's Landry Football Podcast, part of the Landry Football Podcast Network, brought to you today by our good friends at NutraSense. Um, great offer from them. We'll get to them in a bit, uh, a reminder, you can get the most detailed breakdowns of the game of football, college football, NFL, over at LandryFootball.com. You can take advantage of the football season sale. It's the best deal that we've got going. It'll not only take you through the remainder of the football season and breaking out all the games, but coaching searches, recruiting, transfer portal, free agency, the draft. It's 12 months of football at LandryFootball.com, and we bring it to you. From a playing, coaching, scouting, front office perspective that others cannot do. That's why LandryFootball.com is where you want to go. It's where you want to be the, to, to be the most informed fan uh, in your group. Uh, if it involves players, teams, coaches, schemes at the college or NFL level, we got you covered at LandryFootball.com. So check us out today. Also, a reminder to subscribe, like, and share the Landry Football Podcast Network on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Well, the Cincinnati Bengals look like they're back again. They're sitting at five and three. They've managed to dig themselves out of that one and three hole, and they're right back in the thick of things in the AFC and the AFC North. <clears throat> good thing, because they're battling a very good Baltimore Raven team in that division, and the Browns are not all that bad themselves. They were able to uh, take care of the Buffalo Bills, and the big reason why they've Strung together four consecutive wins, of course, is the healthy and improved play of Joe Burrow, who's significantly healthier than he was before. And he's starting to make plays with his legs. He's starting to move around in the pocket to buy time. Uh, when he's the threat to run and extend plays, it's tough to beat him. Uh, he is The offense looks fantastic. But I'm going to tell you, it's never just about the superstar guy. It's about more than that. And you study them, the defense has been lights out against some really good teams over the last month. In the previous four games, the Bengals have allowed a combined 68 points against San Francisco, the 49ers, the Seahawks, and the Bills. They did not allow more than 18 points in any games, in all three games. They forced at least two turnovers. They've neutralized some of the best and most efficient offenses in the league. And that is the key for them, to have success in the postseason, like it was when they made their Super Bowl run. And one of the reasons this defense has been so good lately is the secondary play. Despite losing Bell and Bates in free agency, the secondary is even better. It's clicking, doing a really good job. They're well coached. They contained the passing attack of Josh Allen and the Bills last night. They just allowed one completion beyond 20 yards in the air and had an interception on one of Allen's sideline throws. Taking away the deep passing attack of the Bills is hard to do, especially with their weapons. Allen's got an incredible arm. He's got athleticism to get outside the pocket. <clears throat> Against the Bengals, they just didn't have any success in this game. 
not only did the Bengals only allow one completion beyond 20 yards in the air, but Allen only attempted three passes of that variety in all the game. It just wasn't there. The personnel's making the difference. One of the reasons why they've been so good is the play of uh, linebackers. Um, Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt are one of the, I think, one of the more underrated um, dual linebackers in the league. And they've created three turnovers, a bunch of tackles. Um, their front four with Hendrickson, Hubbard, Reeder, and Hill are starting to play really well. And uh, they're good against the pass, and they're good against the run. So very, very impressed. So it's uh, they haven't given themselves much margin for error, but they're playing very well. On Buffalo, from their end, they've got to be a little concerned. I mean, they're, they're you know, they've, as it relates to winning in the playoffs, look, you've got to, you're likely at this point headed on the road in some key playoff games uh, unless you get some breaks and you go on a tear. I think this team is not as well-rounded, and that's what hurts them a little bit. I don't think they run it as well when they need to. I don't think they protect leads when they need to. I think they're over a line on the quarterback to bail them out of situations, and I think it's causing some problems. <clears throat> over in Germany, it was the Chiefs getting it done against the Dolphins 21-14. Um, and the defense really silenced the Dolphins passing the game. The offense started the season on a historic rate. And they averaged 7.3 yards per play. And the Dolphins uh, averaged five, point yards, uh, 5 yards per play against the Chiefs. Secondary limited hill, eight receptions, 62 yards. Jalen Wilder for three receptions, 42 yards. Miami struggles again, again against a winning team. They're six and three, but that record's deceiving. They're six and zero against teams with losing records, zero and three with teams against winning records. You're going to hear that a bunch. That's a stat. What does it mean? Why is that the case? Well, against weaker teams, their offense can be in rhythm. They're explosive and they're hard to contain. But good defenses can break that rhythm. And then what do the Dolphins have? They can't hang their hat on anything other than that rhythm offense. And it's great when they can get it going. But against playoff caliber teams, it's more difficult. Look, they didn't get blown out against the Chiefs. They had their chances against the Chiefs. And they're going to have their chances come playoff time to get the Chiefs or someone else. But remember, it's not how good you are when you're at your best. It's not how good you are when things are going well. It's how good you are when things are not going as well. How do you deal with it? If, can you win another way? The Dolphins, to this point, haven't proven that they can. Break their rhythm, put pressure on the quarterback, and their offense is nowhere near as good as it is when they're going up against weaker opponents that can't put pressure on them. And their defense played pretty well. Kept them in the game. I don't think the Chiefs' offense is dynamic right now. You know, but, but I do think that the Dolphins are not going to dominate defensively. They're going to get <clears throat> um, a shame back. Their running game is going to get better. So that's going to help their defense by running the football, controlling the football. And I think they can get better. But, boy, they're a team that needs to have a lot of things go their way. And you're just not going to have that in this league. 
Kansas City converted 30% of its third down, slightly better than Miami's 25% rate on third down. The Dolphins did not convert a third down in the first half, which is a major reason why the Chiefs jumped to a 21 uh, nothing lead at half. <clears throat> Miami converted on 41% of its third downs from weeks one through eight. That's a top 10 rate. Mahomes played a little bit better. Uh, he struggled offensively. You know, he was sick last week. I think that that offense will get better in Kansas City. They're just a good defensive team that, that will stay in every game because of their defense. And with Mahomes, I would not count him out in critical moments, even though the receiver talent is not what it's been. Brown shut out the Cardinals. Not a whole lot there. Cardinals, uh, Clayton Toon struggled in his first start. Uh, obviously, trading Joshua Dobbs more on him in a minute with the Vikings. They struggled to take care of the football. Two interceptions, lost a fumble. The running game didn't help. Um, Sean Watson returned for the Browns. He hadn't played a full game since week three due to a shoulder injury. Um, he was effective with his legs, played pretty well. Amari Cooper had a great day. He caught all five of his targets for 139, the touchdown. Had some explosive catches, 59 yards. It's um, really good. Um, Vikings beat the Falcons 31-28. Jaron Hall had a solid start, going five for six for 78 yards, but he had a concussion in the first quarter, was replaced by Joshua Dobbs, Um, who, you know, they acquired him on the trade deadline on Tuesday. All Dobbs did was lead the Vikings to a compelling comeback victory. It was 20 for 30, 158 yards, two touchdowns. He rallied him in the final two minutes, drove 75 yards on 11 plays and 146, converted a fourth and seven, 25-yard scramble. Um, great performance. Now, B. John Robinson's fumble with five minutes left in the third quarter and let the Vikings back in the game. Falcons, we've said it before, and, and if you've listened to our podcast previewing and, and reviewing previous weeks, the Falcons are just not that good, and they're making too many mistakes. Uh, they can't overcome them. They're good enough to be in games, but they're not good enough to finish. They make too many mistakes. They were up 21-13 and driving when Robinson was stripped, and the Vikings recovered at the, the, the Falcons 40. Dobbs ran 18 yards for a touchdown, passed to Tristan Jackson for a two-point conversion to tie the score. Uh, Now, the Falcons responded to retake the lead. They showed some resilience there. But again, got to play a clean game. They do anything but. The Commanders beat the Patriots. This one surprised me. Not because I'm expecting the Patriots to bounce back. I just didn't expect Sam Howell to have as good of a game as he did against Bill Belichick's defense. It was the focal point of the game to me going in. And Sam Howell and the Commanders, who've had an up-and-down season, solid day against a pretty good defense. And, yeah, the Patriots' defense is a little bit better than I think most people know in their struggles this year. They've been pretty good. Howell uh, was only uh, dropped three times by the Patriots. He passed for 325 yards. The second game in a row, he's exceeded 300 yards. They may have something in them. The defense gets it done. Uh, they didn't have Montez Sweat. They didn't have Chase Young. What a really good job. Mac Jones was held to 24, uh, 44. Um, Patriots continue to struggle. The Patriots put them in a position to win. Lodge just 20 points, forcing two turnovers. The offense let them down again. Uh, 
for the first time since 2000, Patriots are two and seven. That's Belichick's first season. New England's also 0-5 in non-division games. The only NFL team without a win outside of its division. They've got some injuries, but boy, this offense is just bad. What a statement by the Ravens blowing out the Seahawks. The Ravens defense is legit. A strong performance, another one. Helding Helding uh, Seattle to 151 yards, just 28 rushing, 123 passing. The Ravens came into the game leading the league in sacks at 35, added four more. They also uh, intercepted Geno Smith once. That was the fourth. The, the, uh, the Ravens held an opponent to nine points a few the fourth time. The Ravens ran a while. Um, they leaned on its running game, and for good reason. Keaton Mitchell led the way with a career high 138 yards. The Ravens totaled 298. That helped the Ravens have their seventh game of 20 or more points and their third of 30 or more. Lamar Jackson was efficient, 21 to 26, 187 yards. He added 60 yards on 10 rushes. Um, Seattle's offense um, continues to stumble, and they're going to have to live off their defense and running game. And, you know, it was – they just had six first downs, one rushing. Went one for 12 on third down. Geno Smith has really come back down to earth. Um, a real Going to be a real problem there, I think, uh, going forward. Um, the Saints get it done against the Bears. The Saints are the only team in the NFC South to win this week. Chicago's turnovers kind of fueled the Saints. The Bears took a 7-0 lead in the opening drive. Tyler Bagent uh, struggled having turnovers. The Bears halted the Saints on their opening drive. Uh, after five plays and 18 yards. Um, the second game of the season, the Saints did not have a turnover. The Bears had four chances to tie it at <clears throat> 24-24 in the fourth quarter. Three of them resulted in turnovers. Um, Taysom Hill scored twice. Yeah, caught a pass from Derek Carr and uh, tossed his own to Jawan Johnson. Um He's uh, continued to do well. In fact, he's uh, the fifth player in NFL history to collect 10 passing touchdowns, 10 receiving touchdowns, and 10 rushing touchdowns. The versatility continues to be the uh, the calling for him. Um, so uh, Saints, not uh, clearly favored in the South, but they've certainly, off of that performance, have kind of taken that step at least to be the team to beat in the South. Uh, with the Falcons and the Bucks being very inconsistent, uh, the Panthers are clearly out of it. The Saints, though, are not much better than those two teams. It's going to be interesting. <clears throat> Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. Um, it's a small device that you put on the back of your arm that provides real-time feedback on how your body responds to the foods that you're eating, your exercise, stress, and even your sleep. With NutriSense, you just take a photo of your meal, adjust for the portion size, and NutriSense does the rest. NutriSense helps you track your data, see your glucose trends, and understand your macronutrient breakdown for each meal. You also get an overall glucose score for each meal based on your body's response. You'll be matched with a board-certified nutritionist who will review your data and answer all your questions, plus they can help you with a personalized nutrition plan so that you can achieve your goals. You should try NutriSense today. 
It will open your eyes in profound ways to how your food, exercise, and lifestyle choice are affecting you. What's more, it empowers you with a real-time feedback loop showing the consequences of your food and lifestyle choices. It's a powerful tool for your understanding your body and affecting positive change in life. Get all of this today. NutriSense has a special offer for our listeners. All you got to do is visit NutriSense.com forward slash Landry. That's NutriSense, N-U-T-R-I-S-E-N-S-E.com slash Landry in all caps, L-A-N-D-R-Y, and use the code Landry and start decoding your body's messages and pave the way for a healthier life. Be sure to tell them you learned about NutriSense on the Landry Football Network podcast. That's NutriSense.Landry to save 30% off your first month, plus get a month of board-certified nutritionist support. NutriSense.com. Great folks. Great to have them on board. The Panthers, speaking of NFC South, go down to the Colts 27-13. Interceptions plagued Bryce Young. Coming into the game, Bryce Young had just four interceptions on the season. Just threw um, three interceptions against the Colts defense, including two returns for a touchdown by Kenny Moore. Linebacker uh, Segan Alubi had the other interception. Public teams have 45 points off of Young's turnovers this year. Ball security must become a higher priority for the rookie quarterback or it's going to continue to be problematic. Uh, So, yeah, they are not playing well around Young, but he's a big reason why they're not playing well. He's making too many mistakes here. The Colts' offense is relying on their defense. The Colts managed just 194 yards of offense, the lowest total all season. Gardner Minshew threw for just 127 yards for his career low as a starter. Their top uh, two top receivers got hurt early in the game. Josh Downs left with a knee injury. Michael Pittman briefly left after taking a massive hit. Their offense stalled in the second half, scoring zero points and gaining just 27 yards. Fortunately, the defense stepped up. Panthers are one and seven, matches their worst eight-game start in franchise history. The offseason, the Panthers remodeled their coaching staff and drafted a quarterback first overall, hoping to make the playoffs for the first time since 17. They have just four days before they play the Bears on Thursday night in a bad versus bad matchup. Packers beat the Rams 20-3. to The defense of the Pack played lights out. They held the Rams to 187 total yards, limited them to 24 44 time of possession. After trading Rasul Douglas to the deadline, the defense performed well, albeit um, against a backup quarterback in Brett Ripien. Ripien, that was the key to this. And um, make no mistake that that's a, with Matthew Stafford, probably a different story. Other than a 56 yard field goal scoring drive, the Rams did not gain more than 28 yards on any drive. No Rams skill position player had more than 50 scrimmage yards. Nicoa and Cup combined for five catches and 80 yards. They struggled. <clears throat> they're gonna win. They're gonna really struggle without Stafford in the game. The Packers offense showed some promise, but still too many mistakes. Both teams committed turnovers. The Packers losing two, and uh, with Wicks and and, um, and Aaron Jones committing them, the Rams lost on one rip and fumble in the first quarter. Ripping through an interception to Anthony Johnson in the fourth. The main difference in the game was the Packers' ability to score off turnovers, which they did both times, while the Rams failed on both their opportunities. The Packers also gained 
20 or more yards on five plays, which was the most 20-plus yard plays in a game for them this season. What a shoe up, what an exciting game with the Texans and the Bucks. The Texans get it done 39-37. C.J. Stroud again shines. And for all the talk about Bryce Young and I mean, they're, they're not good around them, this is a Texans team that didn't have a lot going for it going in. C.J. Stroud has lifted them. The number two overall pick is coming into his own. He led the Texans on a come-from-behind drive with 46 seconds left. He was 30 for 42, 470 yards, five touchdowns. It's 14 touchdowns and one interception this season. He spread the ball around a lot. Tank Dell caught two of Stroud's five touchdowns to go along with 114 receiving yards. Noah Brown finished with 153 yards and one touchdown. Dalton Schultz had 130 receiving yards and one touchdown. They didn't need a whole lot of, out of the running game um, with that performance from Stroud. Houston had 53 yards on 17 attempts. Devin Singletary led with just 26 on 13. Um, the Bucks now, they've lost four. After losing to the Texans, the losing streak stretched to four games. With the past three being one-score losses, they've been competitive, but they're sitting at three and five and third in the South. Not out of it as that division is still wide open, but they, along with the Falcons, are not consistent enough to just be losing. It's going to come down to the matchups between the Saints and the Bucks and the Saints and the Falcons. Who can the Saints can take care of business in those games? They win the division. If one of those two, Falcons or Bucks, can handle the Saints in those games, then that's going to flip this division around. The Eagles take care of the Cowboys 28-23. Hurts, Eagles, trail the Cowboys 17-14 at halftime. Jalen Hurts, who's 17 for 23, 270 yards, two touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. Looked like he aggravated his injured knee. He's been nursing. He came out in the second half. Marched the Eagles offense down the field. 60-yard touchdown drive that was capped off by a really good touchdown pass to Devontae Smith. He had three receptions, 51 yards, by the way. The NFC East battle ended with Dallas six yards away from a potential winning touchdown after a crucial 11-yard sack by Josh Sweat and a penalty that moved Dallas back to the 27-yard line. Dak Prescott found C.D. Lamb for 22 yards, but was he was tackled as time expired. Prescott finished with 330 yards, three touchdowns in the loss. Lamb finished with 11 receptions for 191 yards. Um Battle in the trenches. It's two of the best defensive lines that the NFL has. The Eagles defensive line sacked Prescott five times, allowed 3.5 yards per rush. The Cowboys defensive line sacked Hurts three times. Now the Eagles rushing attack to 3.3 yards per carry. The difference between these two teams. Look, the Cowboys are tough. They fight. The Eagles are tougher. They're fighters. They're they're. They're, they're tougher and they're even more aggressive in fighters. The, the Eagles are more well-rounded. The Eagles, you hear the term, just find a way to win. Well, what does that really mean? Finding a way to win, to me, always is what is somebody's capability as a team to win? How many types of ways they can win? The Eagles, the quarterback can run. They are great in short yardage with what they know, with the, with the, the little uh, tush push. 
the quarterback can make throws, although it's not an elite passing game. They win the 50-50 balls. It's 60-40 their way most of the time. They're not flawless. The Eagles have turned the football over too much in games. They haven't done things and been all that impressive, but they know how to win. They play good defense. They cover well. They tackle well. They bring pressure well. They defend the run well. They run the football well. They can throw it. Um, and they overcome mistakes. They're tough. They're gritty. They kind of have the personality of their quarterback and their team. Dallas is a little bit, while they're tough and have some tough, toughness elements for them as well, they're a little bit more up and down, a little bit more flashy. Dallas is a play-action passing team, which means they have to play with the lead. The defense is great playing with the lead because they can rush the passer, but they're not as good against the run. And so that's why they, except for this game, they seem to win big or lose big. Why? Because if the game goes on schedule early for them, they can run it. The play action flows and works well. They can utilize all aspects of their, their offense. And defensively, they can play with the lead. When they get down in games, like against San Francisco, they're dead. Because play action, it doesn't work at that point, and they're not a drop-back team. The Eagles and the Niners, I know the Niners have struggled, but they're more balanced. They're more capable running it, controlling the game at the line of scrimmage, and keeping the game within one possession. I don't think the Eagles are a great drop back passing team either, but they've avoided those situations more. It's the difference. The takeaway for the Cowboys, they absolutely can contend with the Eagles. They absolutely can play with them and they're capable of winning it. Will they? They're going to likely have to do it on the road in Philly unless things completely flip in a way that I don't see it at this point. It's just another hurdle for the Dallas Cowboys to overcome. In essence, I just think that the Eagles, a little bit more gritty, tougher, they have more ways in which to win. Dallas just a little falls just a little bit short by comparison. The Raiders, isn't it always the case? The first game for the coach, the spike of the coach that comes in. Remember, everyone was singing the praise of Jeff Saturday and how they won their first game. It never lasts. Raiders have got major problems, but not Sunday. Yes, they were sparked. Um, uh, Daniel Jones was injured in return for the Giants. Looks like a serious knee injury. Uh, and it probably is going to end his season and the Giants season, which is already pretty much ended anyway. It's likely a torn ACL. Jones was 4 for 9 for 25 yards, no touchdowns or interceptions. Tommy DeVito couldn't provide any kind of a spark. The Raiders' defense as a result dominated uh, a makeshift Giants offense. Don't read too much into it. Raiders are four and five. They took advantage of a depleted Giants offense. Um, without their top quarterbacks and leading receiver, Darren Wilder, the Giants offense was awful. The defensive line dominated. Max Crosby was, was outstanding. Um, Antonio Pierce, Aiden O'Connell provided some level of hope. But... You know, in the, the dawn of the post-Josh McDaniels 
the McDonald's era. Um, the Raiders showed up, seemed like they played loose. They played aggressive. And maybe like there was a weight lifted off of them. That's typical in an early game. Aiden O'Connell was steady. There's a presence with the first full game since um, starting uh, since Jimmy Garoppolo was benched after a string of underwhelming performances. O'Connell finished 16 of 25, 209 yards, no touchdowns or interceptions. Meanwhile, Josh Jacobs had his best game of the season, 26 of 98, two touchdowns. Despite the 30-point performance from Las Vegas, Devontae Adams was held in check again, only 34 yards on four catches. Look. For those that are spouting that the Raiders are ready to turn things around, they're not. Um, don't don't expect that at all. This team is still not very good at all. I think the spark combined with the Giants' awful situation with injuries contributed to it. Um, if you look at the kind of the winners and losers of the week. I'd say the Browns' defense shutting out Arizona was – anytime you do that in this league, it's impressive. That was one. Geno Smith's performance was beyond bad. Um, I think that was something that um, was surprising that they didn't even compete offensively. And it shows where the Seahawks' limitations are and why they're just not – only go so far. C.J. Stroud continues to be the most impressive rookie. <clears throat> I mean, there are other guys that are playing well as, as, as a rookie, but at quarterback, and he didn't play well against Carolina. There's no question. But, man, has he been outstanding, been absolutely outstanding. The Giants are a mess. They would be certainly a loser. Joshua Dobbs would be a big-time winner. I don't know that anybody deserves a bigger game ball than Joshua Dobbs. Coming in with the limited practice, Stepping in, in reserve, cold off the bench, and leading the team from behind. Very, very impressive. Um, very impressive. So another interesting week. Uh, we've got the more detailed breakdowns for you of the week that was in the NFL over at LandryFootball.com. So make sure that you check it out today. Take advantage of our football season sale. It's the best deal that we've got going. Um whether it's college football, NFL, we got you covered at LandryFootball.com. So make sure, again, that you check it out today. Also, subscribe, like, and share the Landry Football Podcast Network on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It's always great to be with you. Uh, we'll see you over um, at LandryFootball.com and right here, back on the Landry Football Podcast Network, uh, part of um, the, Landry, uh, the Landry Football Podcast, part of the Landry Football Podcast Network, which you can get by subscribing, liking, and sharing for free um, the Landry Football Podcast Network on Apple and on Spotify. Always great to be with you. Talk to you again next time, everybody.